Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very excited to be joined by Steve Grubbs, the founder and CEO of a company called Victory XR. We're going to be talking about virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, all the realities that are out there as far as I'm concerned. But before we get to any of that, I want to welcome Steve to the show. Steve, welcome to Trending in Education. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be here. And I think Trending in Education is exactly where we should be. Yeah, and it sounds like you've been there. Truth be told, I know folks are mainly listening to this. Steve and I are not wearing headsets at the time. Well, actually, I'm wearing an audio headset, but I'm not wearing a VR headset. We are looking at each other in a Zoom room, but Steve has been really at the forefront of a lot of really interesting work around using virtual reality and different forms of it in some learning contexts. And that's what we're going to really be diving into today. So feel free to put a different virtual reality experience on visually, but we're just going to be talking to each other today. As we begin, Steve, can we get your origin story? Can we get what got you to this point in your professional life? Sure. I, I think the most interesting thing about my origin story is I went to a little elementary school, H.M. Perry, sixth grade K through six, and that was in the uh, 1970s. Wow. Yeah. Fast forward a few years. Uh -huh. And it goes up for sale. And so I purchased my elementary school. And today we are building the digital schools of the future from the atom-based school that I was just a wee lad running about the halls. Wow. And you say atom, A-T-O-M, atom-based. Is that what you're... Atom-based. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Uh, Bit-based. Bit-based, so, yeah. In, also in, in a previous life, in the 90s, I was in the state legislature. And oh, wow. chaired the House Education Committee. And my father was a school teacher, public school teacher. And so education's always been important. And so I authored and put together the first technology funding bill for schools in the state of Iowa to get them connected to the internet and make mm. sure they have computers in schools. But, wow, yeah. But, but even with all that, it had a limited impact on the success of education. And so I left politics and, and got into entrepreneurship and made the decision that technology in and of itself will not positively impact education. We need technology that gives students a, a true love of learning. And I know a lot of people say that, mm -hmm. but I know that we have actually pulled it off yeah. and you know, to the extent that we can demonstrate that to educators and, and influencers, the more successful we will be and the more successful students will be. Yeah. And, uh, and when we're talking about virtual reality, it does require uh, a leap of imagination for a listener. Is there a website people should go to if they, they can't afford to look at something while they're listening? Where should they go to check out some of the work that you and team have been doing? We have a website, but the best place to start is you go to YouTube and you search for Victory XR so okay. or, or uh, Victory XR Academy, either one. Okay. Uh, and you'll see really just some of the amazing things that I'll describe here today. Yeah. Uh, we also have a website, very simple, victoryxr.com. Okay. And that sort of walks through the full product lineup and use cases and, and that type of thing. Yeah. And you've been around for a little while now. You were in market, focused on virtual reality and all these uh, variations around the, the simulations and these altered experiences, you were in that space prior to the pandemic. And then the pandemic, as I understand it, had a real accelerating effect. Is that correct? Yeah, we launched in September of 2016. 
Okay. And of course, like everyone else, we initially built asynchronous virtual reality or simulator VR, where a student puts on the headset and they're in there by themselves. And and we went and found one of the finest science teachers in, in the world. She was a national finalist for teacher of the year, 20-year veteran of the classroom, Wendy Martin. And we turned her into a hologram. And in our first experiences, she would either be on a 360 virtual field trip or she would be a, a hologram teaching students step by step, but it was still asynchronous. It was mm-hmm. the student in there by themselves with this artificially generated teacher. Right. In, in the summer of 2020, we launched our Victory XR Academy, which is synchronous learning, meaning it's true classroom learning with the educator in the class, all the students in the class, everybody's in there together. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a game changer. Yeah, It has dramatically changed how we deliver VR education. Yeah, that's interesting. It, it re- reminds me of gaming, which has been this phenomenal exponential trend in the last 10, 20 years, and how a lot of the technology that is being adopted is about synchronous experiences. And in contrast, a lot of the online learning and has traditionally begun as asynchronous. What sort of effect does that have on people? We're always trying to unpack the magic of live digital instruction. Have you been able to glean anything there? What what makes it different? Sure. The important thing is the use case, right? A lot of people are learning through Zoom or WebEx or Google Meet. So you've got this 2D experience. In order for us to have a place in the education world, somehow we have to deliver a better experience than simply a 2D Zoom experience. And and we've done that plus some. Let me give you just a handful of examples. So in our anatomy class, Wendy Martin's in as the teacher, and you can see this video on YouTube. Wendy is the teacher, and she has a human cadaver in front of her. Now, how many high school classes have a human cadaver? Not many. Right. And she takes her hand and she reaches down into the cavity of the body. She grabs the heart and she pulls the heart out of the body. Yeah. She takes it and she hands it to the student who might be in another country. Oh my goodness. That student takes that, but, but is standing right next to her in our virtual reality science lab. Yeah. Takes the heart, looks at it, examines it, passes it on to the student next to them. And that student might be in Denver. And and that student then takes the human heart and expands it until it's seven foot tall. Meanwhile, Wendy, the science teacher, passes out a human heart to every student in class. And they all expand their heart until it's seven foot tall. And then as she teaches about the ventricles and the cavities, those students step inside the human heart and and they look at it and they learn in a way that's never been possible in the history of education before. Wow. That's just one, one example. If you have time, I'll give you. Yeah. Let's start with that. That one's really interesting. It's taking me back to uh, the fantastic voyage when they shrunk the humans down and took them on a journey. And remember that's when I learned about white blood cells and, and, and how scary they might be. But I do understand the, the power of what you're uh, describing and how, how ready is the world for this in terms of, you, you always hear about the barrier to entry around access to the headsets and having a fast enough connection. In the use case that you're describing, I guess everybody is 
uh, accessing this from their respective homes. But can you describe a little bit what the actual physical setup is and, and how easy it is for folks to, to access some of these capabilities? Yes, this is very easy. And, and bandwidth has thus far not been too big of an issue. So two things. First, it can be accessed through a virtual reality headset like Oculus Quest or HP Reverb or Vive Focus Plus or Pico Neo 2, any of those. The prices on those start at $300 at Best Buy or Walmart. It's half price of a cell phone. Or you can just access it through a standard PC. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever played a game, Call of Duty or yeah. any of those, you're on the battlefield, you're running in and out of buildings and, and you're moving around using your keyboard. That's exactly what this is. Perhaps you don't have a virtual reality headset. So you're going to move around the science lab just like you would a, a video game. That makes sense. And so you don't have to go out and purchase the hardware or if you don't like virtual reality, no problem. Just, uh, use a standard PC. So yeah. That's, yeah. that's number one. Hardware really isn't much of a, a friction point any longer. But number two, a lot of people are concerned about Wi-Fi. And I can tell you when I was out shooting a virtual history field trip for our content library, and it was Davy Crockett. I was in Eastern Tennessee at his birthplace, and I had a meeting inside VR. And I had no Wi-Fi, and I didn't have time to get back to Wi-Fi. I was going to try and drive into town and find a coffee shop, but I, I didn't have time. So I drove up on a little hill in the middle of nowhere. I took my headset, I connected it to the hotspot on my iPhone, which had two bars. Yeah. And I went inside virtual reality, sat down at the uh, boardroom table with people from all over America, and we had our meeting. Yeah. And, and I realized, wow, this works very impressively, even with limited Wi-Fi. Yeah. So we feel like we've overcome those two friction points. The, the, the greatest friction point is just people knowing that that this is a possibility that your children can learn from the greatest teachers in the world. Yeah. Right I guess. Now. Yeah. And then the other constraint is how quickly this stuff can all get built. And it sounds like you've been pretty hands-on based on the, the Davy Crockett thing you were talking about there. It sounds like you're really getting connected to the build side of this equation. Can you talk to me a little bit about what's involved in creating all this, because it does remind me of uh, some of the, the thinking that goes into uh, game design, which is pretty involved. Yeah, we have a couple of different types of uh, learning content that we deliver. One is virtual field trips. We have uh, about 125 virtual field trips in science and history around the world. Students can stand on the uh, Great Wall of China. They can go to the Redwood Forest in California, dairy farm in Iowa, or they can travel the United States to all the key points where Martin Luther King did amazing things from Birmingham to Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta to the bridge in Selma. And, and mm -hmm. let me tell you the use case of virtual reality versus watching all of this on a 2D video. When I was shooting this on the bridge in Selma, so the story is they started this protest march and they start on one side of the bridge and the bridge goes up little hill and then it goes down. You cannot see the other side of the bridge from where they started. And, and that's where the camera starts. You're standing around, you can look all the way around. You can look up and see the birds in the sky. You can look down and see the ground. You can watch the cars drive by. But what you can't see is what's on the other side of that bridge. And as they started this march, and Martin Luther King was not on this first march, the right. bloody Sunday march. This is John Lewis march. Exactly, John Lewis and Hosea Williams and others. Then, John Lewis and Jose Williams get to the top of the bridge and they look down and they see all these 
police and state troopers waiting for him. And John Lewis famously looks over to Hosea Williams and says, hey, do you know how to swim? And, and the beauty of the use case of VR is that the student first stands on this side of the bridge and they hear the story and they look all around. And so they get context of location. Then they go to the top and they look down where the, the police and the troopers were and, and they get the context that, okay, a decision was made here. Mm -hmm. Now that's difficult to do to understand in a 2D video until you can actually stand around, you can look down in the water, all of those things. So yeah. that's the value of what the field trips bring. And that's the first category of learning. Yeah. The second category is what might be called True VR. One of the products that we created that won an award from HTC Vive for the best uh, VR education experience in the world was our frog dissection. Animal dissection is an important learning experience in science, but it, it brings with it challenges. Yes. And you have to buy new specimens every year. Some yeah. students are, are ethically opposed to it. Even I remember just personal story of myself as a, I think I was a ninth grader. Some of the more uh, mischievous activities towards the back of the ninth grade science class uh, were probably not respectful of the frog uh, either. <laughs> I get it. And so we worked with Carolina Biological, the world's leading dissection specimen and curriculum company, and created a whole suite of these dissection products fetal pigs, dogfish, all of these, cat. Mm -hmm. And so now Wendy Martin is the hologram. She stands in there, walks students through it, and it can be done. That's true VR because the students are taking the scalpel, opening up the, the specimen. They're taking their tweezers, pulling the organs out. And every time they pull one out, Wendy then teaches about that particular wow. organ. And then they dissect the organ and open it up and see what's inside the organ. And mm -hmm. then you know what? reset it and the next student can start from the beginning yeah. and no animals are harmed in the, the oh, dissection in the yeah that's fascinating stuff i'm coming back to the selma thing just because i think it's a profound image and your point about uh, the power of the emotional empathy you feel and understanding what it feels like to make a decision that almost seems like a different dimension of education and a whole new world really for instructional designers and people who are thinking about teaching empathy and teaching what it feels like to be in someone else's uh, shoes. Are there other examples like that? I probably have spent more time talking about the, the more visual elements of science, whether it's astronomy or anatomy or some of those other things. But there's a lot of talk about social emotional components of learning nowadays. Are there other examples uh, of where you've tapped into that? Yeah, a couple things on that point. Uh, first, as you may know, PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC, released a study last summer that talked about the learning in virtual reality. One of their conclusions was that students who learn in virtual reality are four times more emotionally connected to the content they learn than, than if they learn in more traditional ways. And so if you think about things that you're emotionally connected to, maybe it's cooking, or maybe it's childcare, or maybe it's just something that you love. Mm -hmm. Whatever you love, you get emotionally connected to, and you learn and you retain that information. That's what happens inside virtual reality. So we have a live class going on right now. It's a five-week class taught by a, a teacher from Singapore, Craig Freilich. And this class is uh, called Engineering Design and empathy. So learning engineering design is a basic class in high school and in college. And you have all these steps. What's the problem? What are our resources? What are potential solutions? Et cetera, et cetera. It's a seven-step process. 
Craig is teaching that engineering design process with a focus on housing for refugees. As the world becomes more mobile, the refugee problem has not subsided. It's a very significant problem around the world and housing therefore is an issue. And so what Craig has been able to do is create in virtual reality a way for students to construct homes for refugees, to look at their resources and to figure out solutions using critical thinking skills. That's the type of thing where students, and they learn about the refugee problem and it's just overall a great experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and then how about more, the other thing we talk a lot about is the future of work and trying to understand how to unlock career objectives, career pathways for, for kids, hopefully at a relatively young age, right on through, through our lifetime, we're going to need to continue to learn and upskill and reskill. Any thoughts on how products that you're building and virtual reality might factor into opening up pathways? I'm thinking about the Mars uh, Perseverance uh, rover landing, which was just recent news, very exciting. I immediately thought of how that could be translated into something like uh, virtual reality. But any thoughts on any of this? Yeah, uh, a lot, and I'll be brief. We have a lot of learning environments in our Victory XR Academy, including Dinosaur Island for paleontologists. We have a both a, a planetarium, and then they get a beam up Star Trek style to the Victory XR starship and take a spacewalk as they learn astronomy. We have a culinary arts kitchen for people who want to train to be chefs or learn how to serve people in a restaurant in many different environments like that. We just uh, finished our rainforest yesterday for Mm. interested in environmental science. In some ways, more pressing our our students learning the trades. We've had a a tremendous fall off in students who go through apprenticeships, become carpenters, plumbers, electricians. Those jobs pay very well and, and they're in high demand. And there really should be no unemployment issue, at least in the United States, if students are trained in the trades because there's enough demand for for all these students. We have a partner called the Associated General Contractors, and they are are an organization of contractors across the United States. We started with the organization in Iowa, the Master Builders and Build Iowa, and are rolling this out across the United States. The first product is a uh, virtual job shadow. So they get a job shadow, 10 trades from welders and carpenters, et cetera. And then the second step in this is actually training students in the trades inside the virtual reality academy, and then also workplace training. So we've already completed the forklift training and defibrillator training, fire safety evacuation, those sorts of things for the workplace. There's a lot of great ways to educate people in really specific trades and tasks and careers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it seems like we've all awoken to this potentiality in light of the pandemic. I frequently refer to it as a forcing function where people who are maybe on the fence about adopting some of these technologies, why study virtually when we could just physically go there? Now you would need this type of technology to do a lot of your training while you're uh, quarantining or socially distancing. Where do you see it going on the other side? Are you expecting there to be a, a rebound or do you think people, once once they understand how effective this stuff is, they, they don't want to go back? Yeah, so we, we expect much of it to return to the way it was, but we all know the genie's out of the bottle. Before the pandemic, almost 10% of college students were fully remote. We expect that number to go between 20 and 30%. It's fun to go to college, yeah. but not always the most efficient way to, to learn. So mm-hmm. I loved my 
eight years in college, undergraduate and graduate. What, what I would say though is, for example, today we are launching our Morehouse College campus and Morehouse College will be the, the most advanced virtual reality learning college in the world this, this spring. We know of nobody who's more advanced in the number of classes in the way that they are teaching. And it brings great use cases. Their men's health class, their world history class, chemistry class, and and in a, uh, a cultural class. So these are opportunities for allowing students to attend Morehouse College without having to actually go to Atlanta or if this pandemic rears its head again. The other thing is, let's say you're interested in attending a particular college or university and you wanna to tour the campus. What we built for Morehouse was a digital twin. So essentially students can go to school on the campus in, in a virtual reality digital twin. Now that concept I think is mostly self-explanatory, yeah. but essentially you can take an actual building or a machine and you can build a duplicate of it in virtual reality. And the movie industry has done this for a long time. And, and now we can do this for colleges and universities. Yeah, it's cool stuff. It does harken back uh, to the earlier days of Second Life and some of that technology that was, was trendy in the maybe early 2000s and then went through its own hype cycle. But it does feel like there were always these barriers that were limiting the adoption of these types of solutions. I just want to circle back to one thing uh, before we get your sort of concluding thoughts is what's involved in building this out? Can you talk through a little more around like the design process? Because it does feel like the technology is there, but it's more the, the combination of the platform and the technology with the artistry and craftsmanship and thoughtful design that goes into building uh, great content. Can, can you talk to that at all? Sure, absolutely. One of the things I took from Jonathan Ivey at Apple is you can have great technology, design still matters and design matters a lot. So mm -hmm. we hire great artists great 3D object creators. We have tremendous coders. And then in the middle are the, the Unity developers. The coders do their work, the designers do their work. So for example, you, you need a lot of 3D objects created, molecules and organs and flintlock guns to teach the Revolutionary War and three-sided log cabins, things like that. And we have over 3,000 of those types of objects for learning for schools and education, that type of things. So that really helps the process. But you have to have great designers to do that because you can't just create a 3D object. It has to be optimized, meaning the file size of that 3D object has to be very tiny, but it still has to look amazing. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that we have, it's taken a while to figure out to do really well. Yeah. But if you look at our Morehouse College campus, you'll see, or you look at our animal dissections, it, it, we've gotten to that point. Yeah. yeah I, it, the Star Trek fan in me keeps uh, being taken to the holodeck with a lot of the stuff that you're describing. It is exciting to think that this technology is actually here now. I'd love to get some of your perspective on where you see this going, how quickly it's expanding, how you think learning may be transformed in the coming years. Any perspective on either where Victory XR is going, the, the industry, or, or really how learning will be changed by VR? Yeah, I saw a news story from a school district in North Chicago, a higher income suburb school district. 
they just completed building a, a $23 million STEM center. And that's great for the students there. An atom-based school STEM center where students can learn all the great science and technology there. But we know that most schools in the United States and certainly most schools around the world cannot afford a STEM center. That's why we have built basically the same thing as that $23 million STEM center in virtual reality. And, and our cost is roughly one one thousandth of the cost for schools to implement something that's not just equal, but in many ways better than what the wealthy school districts can afford. Yeah. And so we believe this brings equity in education. We, we are 100% convinced that within three to five years, every college or university will at least have labs, some labs in virtual reality, especially for the remote students, and that K-12, that some significant portion, maybe up to 50% or 70%, will have some component of uh, these virtual reality classrooms. And there's a great uh, responsibility on those of us who are building this uh, new education world to create content that is meaningful, that has good use cases, that provides equity. And that's what we, we are working to do. Yeah. And it's really interesting, as I mentioned before, thinking about the future of work and the types of jobs and the types of skills that are going to be more in demand as technologies like virtual reality become more the standard. Any quick thoughts on that? If you're making recommendations to folks or thinking about career pathways, uh, are there thoughts on the, the industry and the, the types of jobs that may be emerging? Yeah, I would real quick. If you think about the iPad, the Newton came out and was ahead of its time and was a failure. Second Life was certainly not a failure, but it was ahead of its time. Yeah. What we're experiencing now is like the iPad, the right time, the right cost, the right use cases. Yeah. And so to get that done, we're going to need a lot of Unity coders or Unreal coders. They're somewhat interchangeable. And 3D object creators and students who know PHP and certainly know the C languages. So yeah, that's yeah. what I recommend students consider are those careers as this new world is built out. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff about product thinking and user experience design. That there's a there's a whole industry even beyond what, what you were describing. But that you're the second person who's talked to me about Unity and these emerging platforms that you can ramp on for those of you who are interested or if you want to make recommendations to folks with interests. I think that's some great stuff coming uh, from Steve. And then as, as we're getting close to concluding here, Steve, I'd love to get your perspective on anything else in the world around you that's capturing your imagination. And then uh, we maybe get some, uh, some parting thoughts. Yeah, you know, what, what we're really keeping an eye on is augmented reality glasses. They're still probably a couple of years away from finding broad adoption, but we, we know that we're going to be seeing new ways to learn, new ways to present information, what we think we'll be able to do is to actually build a classroom where you're standing in an empty room, like a gymnasium, and with your glasses on, augmented inside that gymnasium are all of these elements of a true learning classroom. Mm -hmm. And we think that's something for us to keep an eye on. It's not here today, but it's right around the corner. Yeah. And since you had me in the gymnasium, I started thinking about how the sports ramifications might also be pretty interesting as this technology emerges. Steve Grubbs, the founder and CEO of Victory XR. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. Yeah, very much appreciated. I love it. And I can't wait to listen to more of your podcasts.
Awesome. And uh, for our listeners, hopefully you're enjoying it too. If you like what you're hearing, tell a friend, share it, write us a review, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.